Martin Luther once wrote, Next to theology, I give music the highest place of honor. Throughout scripture, music is mentioned as a tool to encourage, bless, and inspire. Hi, this is Esther Lowe. In this episode of the Learn and Share podcast, Sean Neblett and Caleb Gensler share how you can develop skills in music composition and songwriting. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we have Caleb Gensler and Sean Neblett. Really appreciate you guys coming along to have a discussion about music. Um, and today we're going to kind of look at music from a bit of a different perspective than what some of our listeners may have heard before. And we're going to look at things like songwriting and getting content out there and just growing as a musician. Um, but before you get started, if you could just both of you share your philosophy of music. What is music? How is it important to you? And how do you think it should be used? Sure. Um, to me, ever since I can... Uh, it's almost as ever since I can remember, uh, music has been a form of worship. In fact, I, I think that it may be in my mind, one of the purest forms of worship we have, uh, all through scripture, through spirit of prophecy, the, this picture is painted. We know that you know, Lucifer is the, he was the arch musician, if you, if you will. Um, and you kind of see the extension of that, uh, played out on earth. And as a result, I've, I've always felt that not only is music a tool that can be used for God, but more fundamentally, music is a tool that was created by God and in that sense should always be used uh, for God. So that's really influenced the, my decisions, my direction in music and, and the music that I uh, produce and uh, write and edit and and whatever else, and, and kind of colors my whole, I, I guess that is my philosophy on music. Yeah, thanks, Sean. So what you're really saying is music is worship. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What about Caleb? For me, music has, in addition to that, that's that's a huge part of it. In addition to that, I would say uh, music is a, is a form of communication that embodies everything we feel, not just what we think, but what we feel. Um, and, and for me, it's a tool of telling people how I feel about God, how I know God feels about me and, and how I know God feels about them. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, so really you're tying together like worship and self-expression. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like kind of looking at this being the underlying philosophy of why you guys are both involved in music and why it's important in your lives. Going now to, uh, music creation, uh, what is your goal when you both create music? What are you trying to do? Uh, music creation for me, uh, and this is a personal direction, and I'm not sure that it's a comprehensive, you know, comprehensively applicable, but I'll tell you that music for me is, um, as mentioned, inextricably connected uh, with worship. And as such, Worship and God, my perception of God, my desires, my desire for God, uh, my desires towards God are all deeply expressed in the kind of music that I create. They're kind of, um, they're reflected and they're expressed in the kind of, in the kind of music that I create. I, I made a decision some time ago. There's no, there's nothing wrong with writing like secular 
music per se. Uh, but for myself, because music and worship are so deeply connected, I made a decision a long time ago. I'm not going to write anything. I'm not going to produce anything. I'm not going to record anything that can't be directly tied back to, uh, you know, that can't be an offering to God. Um, so creatively, that's limiting, I suppose you could say, but I, but I actually don't view it as limiting. I view it as deeply freeing because suddenly music is not so much, oh, well, here, let me, let me do this. Let me, uh, you know, whatever, make some money, get some attention, uh, find some fans. Uh, it's actually freeing for me because music is just, okay, this sounds funny, but it's like, it's just between me and God. And so if people like the music, okay, fine. And if people don't like the music, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. And yet, I found a higher level of resonance with that kind of music because it is between me and God and other people can resonate with, you know what? I want that. It's like they recognize the, they recognize that, that connection, that communion. Um, and there's a great thirst for that. It's not about your connection with the audience. Yeah. It's about your connection with God. Yeah. Which frees you from the slavery that I think a lot of kind of celebrity music makers are after, which is, okay, what's going to be the next big hit? What's really going to resonate with people? Well, it does, worship does resonate mm -hmm. because we're created to worship. Um, that's a totally different kind of resonance and it's, it's freeing as opposed to the slavery of, oh, I got to make something that people are going to like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess this attitude too can help with the whole uh, thing that people worry about in music and performance, like pride and, yeah. and self-exaltation. Well, and is it good enough? And is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it comes back to why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's a really awesome why. Like why music? Why create? Why try to express uh, these thoughts and feelings we have about God? Uh, let's change tack now. And I want to talk about the actual creative process. You know, for myself, I have a music degree and... I've studied music and all the theory and, and spent hours and hours and hours of my life, you know, looking at chords and chord progressions and harmonization. Um, but, but what the I've learned is that that is not creating music. Mm -hmm. um, and you can know a lot about the, the uh, functions of things and still not be good at creating music. Um, so let's simplify for someone who doesn't have a lot of the, the theory maybe, or, or just someone who has a, a real music desire to express themselves. Mm -hmm. um, what's the basics and how do you go through that process? Hmm. You need to start with what are you trying to say? You, you got to have that and it's got to be simple. It's got to be direct. If you don't know what you're trying to say or what you're trying to do, you'll, you won't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. and like it, it'd be the same as if you're trying to make a, write a sermon or write a, uh, even just a persuasive argument. You need your big idea. It needs to be clear and then it needs to be clearly supported by everything else you allow to come in and support that idea. Um, Otherwise, yeah, you can get lost. I was, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. But if it's aimless, you're going to get to the end and it'll, maybe it sounded good, but people are lost. Yeah, you've, you've missed the boat. So do you guys exactly. journal like when you're trying to write music? Like do you journal down your ideas or, or draw or write or something? Like what do you do? Yeah, most every, most of my songs get about halfway done and then that's about as far as they get. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of whether they're finished or not, they always start with a, it's, it's just a thought that comes to mind, some experience, maybe something from my devotions, maybe something from a conversation. It doesn't matter. It's the, wherever it is, I'll open up my notes app and I'll write down. It's usually no more than five or six words. You mm -hmm. know, it's just something that just struck me really hard there. And I'll write that down and I'll write everything else down that I can think of in that moment. 
Um, doesn't matter whether it rhymes, just, just write as much as I can and then come back to it later and say, okay, what was going on in this moment? And sometimes it grows from there and sometimes it doesn't. Usually it doesn't, mm -hmm. but... I'm a, I'm a pretty visual person. And so my kind of ideas often take the form of a, either a metaphor or an illustration or even just like a snapshot that I see in my mind. And sometimes it is a phrase, something that is... Uh, just the language itself is catchy or nice. But more often, it's a picture. And then as I kind of fill out that theme, I'm finding more ways to support that picture, more ways to communicate the idea kind of within the motif. And I found, I mean, this is kind of getting into the slightly more complex side of the language side of music, but I found that if you start with a picture in your head and you describe parts of that picture, and that picture is something that's even remotely familiar to people, mm -hmm. they'll finish the picture in their own head. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to write a song that's 18 minutes long. You can just, you, I mean, you've got two verses and you can actually give them a much more rich and, and deep and kind of immersive. They get to the end and they feel satisfied. No, oh, yeah, I got it. Not because you actually said it all, mm -hmm. but because they could see it. Okay. Uh, this begs another question. Um, do you always write with lyrics or or do you have like a separate process for writing with lyrics and writing without lyrics? I, <laughs> it may be with, I don't know if I'm the same as all creative people, probably not because the essence of creative people is that they're not the same. So um, it's, it's sometimes one, sometimes the other, yeah. sometimes both. Sometimes same, same I start again with a catchy phrase or idea, like I like that and I can just sit and kind of, expand that into the chorus and then from there write the and then I sit down at the piano and finish it other times it's like I have this theme and the and the 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 tune itself begs a certain message and then and other times I do literally I'll start with one and I'm writing tune and lyrics all the way through from start to finish that's rare mm -hmm. but it, it's happened mm -hmm. yeah it's either or for me it's like sometimes it's a catch little note phrase it's like okay I can build on that Sometimes it's the words the way around. So oftentimes I'll have words. I can, can't come up with music for it. <laughs> That's when you call a friend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sean, what do I do with this? <laughs> okay, so both of you kind of go through this process. It's a little bit like right brain and, and very like abstract where you have these ideas and you might write down some vague words that if a friend wants to see the words, they would like, I have no idea what, what that is. Um, how do you go from that kind of almost like a five-year-old drawing scribbles um, to refining it. What's the next step for both of you? Well, Caleb is the king of refinement. I, uh, I tend to write something and it's kind of like paintball splatter all over the wall. And I stand back and think, hmm, you know, I like that. And maybe I'll send it to someone or two and just ask, did you get this or did you totally miss it? And to be honest, I'm not sure that I'm the best judge. By the time I've got everything on the wall, you know, um, like it's clear in my head. Yeah, but you but, see all the layers that people can't see. Yeah, after you and, so, <laughs> and so I, I really do think that it, I mean, I kind of joke about it and, and I kind of rib Caleb sometimes because he's uh, highly democratic when it comes to these things and wants input and wants, no, he doesn't want just splatter input. He wants valuable input, but... Um, yeah, if you don't give me real input, you're off my input yeah, list. It. You're never going to get called again. Uh, no, but it really, it really, I think, does take other people's eyes and other people's, uh, you know, kind of hearts engaging. Mm -hmm. And that's hard yeah. because from a creative perspective, 
this is your property. Like this is your heart on yeah. paper. And for someone to be like, bro, I'm lost, you know, <laughs> that's, that's tough. But, but that's what's required, I think, mm -hmm. to get it past the splatter stage into something that actually communicates clearly what you're trying to communicate in a few words. How do you get that confidence? Like, cause I know myself, like I'm a really introverted kind of person. I'm quite creative but a lot of people have no idea. And so how do you get like the secret little world of your own that you kind of don't want other people to like criticize? <laughs> and then you, how do you get that confidence to kind of like go, okay, I'm going to share this with somebody and get their feedback. It starts with the people you trust. Usually, you trust. yeah, you got to go to, to one person, start with one person. Uh, for me, it's my wife. You know, she sees everything that is worth seeing. And most of it never gets past her. You know, she'll be like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and then once it, once she says it makes sense or she sees, says it, it's going somewhere, then, you know, then Sean sees it. <laughs> All right. So what you're really saying is like having other people in your life whose opinion you trust can really help you like know whether what you've got is value value at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause one thing, um, I was talking with Caleb earlier today, um, Unfortunately, a lot of people who are really good at anything creative usually self-criticize a lot. Oh, yeah. And then people who feel that they're really good may actually be... Not at all. Not at all. So just having other people in your life to kind of give you like a reflection. This is worth it. You should spend more time on it. This is mm. not worth it. Uh, what about like the tools that you use? Do you use um, different types of software? How do you plug in the notes and, and really make it fleshed out? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, this has gotten a lot easier over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, I think when we kind of both started in music production, it was an expensive proposition. You mm -hmm. needed an expensive computer and you needed expensive software, expensive mics and expensive mm -hmm. mic cables. And it just, and that was only the start. Mm -hmm. Then you'd open up the software and it was complete Greek. Like, um, it's gotten a lot easier and it's gotten mm -hmm. a lot more reasonable. Now, you're still going to have to invest if you want quality, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't take much more than a standard computer and garage band and a, mm -hmm. and a MIDI controller to actually start getting your idea in a shareable format. Uh, just for composition, your smartphone is usually all I ever use. Start there, my iPad maybe if I want more space, and then when it comes down to a demo track, yeah, then get out GarageBand. Okay, so I know there's a lot of different softwares out there like Forte and Sibelius that are kind yeah. of like high-end, but there's also like free. Even those are like Forte uh -huh. or sorry, Sibelius, you can get for like $24 a month if you just want to pay for it for a couple of months. So subscription for yeah, it. You don't have nice. to pay for a full, uh, for a full thing. But okay. yeah, so even those you can get pretty easily. All right. Um, so we have our little composition that we're kind of working on. And someone said, yep, this is a great idea. You should go for it. And you start to flesh it out on GarageBand, maybe mm -hmm. with some of the sound and things like that. Uh, what if you want an instrument? And this is where every composer is going to hit a, a wall in a sense, is when you want it and you hear it in your head in an instrument that you don't play. Mm -hmm. How do you know how to write for that instrument? Where, where do you go? Friends. Yeah, this is where community really comes in. And if you don't have community, I mean, let's be honest, there's times when there's times when you just will hit a wall and you kind of have to work around it. And that's part of what creativity is for. There are other times uh, I know in my, my family's music recording and production that I've literally sat there mixing and thinking or sat there arranging and thinking, oh, this needs fill in the blank. And 
I went and bought the instrument and I mean, if it wasn't complicated, I bought an ocarina once to, because I was like, this needs that sound and I don't have one and I don't know anyone who plays one. So I'll, I'll, I'll learn to play one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, not everyone can do that. And, and I wouldn't recommend going out and deciding, oh, I'm going to quick learn how to play the accordion because you won't quick learn anything about the accordion. <laughs> um, but if it, that option does exist, mm-hmm. you, you can, depending on the complexity you're looking for, you, you might actually, uh, it might be actually be worth it to invest a little bit of effort and energy yourself. Otherwise, call Caleb. <laughs> no, the the way I've done that is uh, if I can't find a friend, I've I've invested in some good, um, just uh, MIDI libraries that you can use to play sample libraries. Yeah, sample libraries to be able to to um, play those different instruments. And there's a couple, even for you know a couple hundred bucks, you can get some pretty good ones that sound real enough to be inspiring. Uh, they're, they're enough to, <laughs> they're not, they're not going to be like the real thing yet, but, but they're, they, they can don't get your like creative a, juices going. A, yeah. Like a $49 keyboard from Costco. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, that covers like the, the audio side of it. If you're trying to notate or harmonize or, or compose, like every instrument has its limitations mm-hmm. you research, what do you do? Um, uh, again, that's going to depend uh, like I've notated for things for instruments I didn't play. Um, I personally use Dorico for the most part for scoring. I use some Sibelius, but mostly Dorico. And the software also, at least at the higher end, is pretty smart. And mm-hmm. if you are writing a part for a flute and you put in a note that the flute doesn't play, it'll yeah. just be like, what? No, that, that's not even, <laughs> you can't even do that. Yeah. So um, kind of the, I guess my, my whole point here is that the ecosystem, the computers are getting better, the software is getting better, the stuff is getting cheaper. Um, mostly it's getting out there, exploring, trying some things, being brave, making mistakes, learning from those mistakes. And uh, yeah. That's the thing. Like it, even if you can't, if you're not sure wh- whether these notes should go together with these two instruments, just put them on paper anyway. Someone will eventually tell you if it's not working, as long as you're willing to have them be honest with you, uh-huh. <laughs> and then that's, you can fix it. That's a really awesome point there. Just like try it out and see how things go, get your feet wet. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about this, both of you have kind of, you know, been songwriting for a little while now. Uh, can you share with us a story of like just a turning point in your life, how you really started getting out there with your content? When did you start writing? I started r- writing... Well, okay, to be perfectly honest, uh, my first composition was a classical piece for piano that was called The Turtle Dance, and I wrote it when I was nine years old. But it has not been published and will never be published, etc. My first serious composition was probably when I was in, I don't know, I was 17, I think, uh, first year of university. And all of those compositions w- did come at turning points in my life. But again, consistent with my pattern, they were all heartfelt kind of prayers to God over a certain situation. Maybe it was, uh, you know, a friend in deep trouble in, in great need or myself feeling in deep trouble or great need or just noticing a great need or a great, um, you know, deliverance, the faithfulness of God, something that really uh, gripped my heart and it came out in the form of poem slash music, sometimes a poem, sometimes, Yeah sometimes music that sounded like a poem and sometimes music that actually sounded like music. Um, and of course it was a learning process too. I don't, I don't like to sing or even remember that I wrote (laughs) some of those songs from early on. And yet each one of them tells a story that is still precious to me. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, I think, yeah, that was a success. That was, that was the right place to start. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, you'd have to define what what do you mean by like distribute or or publish? Because the because <laughs> <laughs> depending on what you mean by that, you could say that when I was couple like four or five years old, I got myself a tape recorder, and I would uh, record Bible stories, just tell Bible stories from uh, they were not quite biblically accurate, but Caleb stories. Anyway. Yeah, they were they were my my version of of what happened back then. <laughs> And, and then I would sing, make up these songs on the spot, uh, as part of the, as part of the recording. And then I'd send these to friends and I totally forgot about this year for, for some years until my mom found one and she's like, look what we found. <laughs> and then she of course embarrasses me with everyone with it ever since. Um, but it look, thinking back on that, I realized that was probably one of my earliest efforts to try to express what I was thinking and feeling. And since then it's just been that, just like you, like you said, John, it's just share when those moments come and whatever comes to mind, put it down, share it with someone, even if it's just one person and eventually it will be refined and it will, it will do some good Mm -hmm. somewhere. I keep hearing this word over and over again, share, share, yes, share. doesn't mean anything if it, if it's just only you. (laughs) Well, let's, let's kind of change course now. Once you've got your content created uh, unless you are somebody with an audience, you're someone who's like singing or something and you have a ministry going from church to church, how on earth do you get people to become aware of your recordings and the music that you have and really get it out there? Post it somewhere. Yeah. Well, and by somewhere, specifically, we mean you might not be a person with an audience, but you do have friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might upload it to SoundCloud or one of these places that Dropbox that, uh, you know, where you can quote host your little composition, uh, share it with people, starting with people you trust and then more, mm-hmm. more, more and more broadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can put it on YouTube. YouTube is, there's a lot of people that waste their entire lives on YouTube and that's not a good reason to use it, but it is a good reason to put something that actually is redeeming and of quality uh, there. And the, the truth is that probably you, you may well be surprised by the number of people that find your stuff uh, without you doing anything about it. You, you don't have to go on an expensive marketing campaign or have a, have a fancy launch sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, depending on what you're doing it for. I mean, if you're out to, to, to be famous, then maybe take my advice with a grain of salt. But if you're out to, to, to create something that's meaningful and it's meaningful to you because of a genuine experience that you've had, mm-hmm. then once again, it doesn't matter how people respond to it, but people will respond to it if it's deep and genuine. It's the same thing with writing a blog or any other content sharing. You can write to get famous or you can write because, you know what, this is real to me and it's important to me and it's organic. And it's yeah. um, when we first put our first couple of things, a little, you know, kind of homemade music video of us actually in the recording process on our channel. Um, the number of views was just fabulously larger than we ever expect. Like, it's like, oh, that's just us singing in our living room, but, or in our little studio room. But you know what? Uh, there's a lot of people that love just even the, the organic nature of watching siblings sing together, watching a family sing together. All of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like that, that struck a chord with people. And so it's been watched all kinds of times and we've never done anything like to deserve that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you, you're going to have to be brave. You'll have to take a risk and some people will hate your stuff and some people will love your stuff and it's okay because ultimately you're creating for a purpose that's much bigger than just oh, let me get a million views. Right. Well, that's part of the process. You post it and people will say mean things sometimes. Um, but 
that will help you force you to remember why am I doing this? Am I doing it for their praise or for God's praise? Yeah. And and second of all, sometimes people will give you feedback that will help you refine it better. It's true. So it's true. Regardless, do it. As Adventists, other places that you know we can get music too. I mean, to be honest, there's amazing music that the Mormon Church produces, mm-hmm. for example, and um, they have a lot of different famous musicians are on YouTube. And I mean, one one group is the piano guys that everyone seems to know of. Um, We don't seem to have that in the Adventist church. So how as an Adventist young person, if you really feel called by God, I'm going to use my music and write music um, that can change the world for God. What can I do with that? Mm -hmm. Bring it to GYC. Bring it to GYC. (laughs) Uh Well, you know what? This is a question that Caleb and I, I mean, we've been friends for quite some time and we've worked together on projects for for quite some time. Um, And now we get to work together at GYC, which is awesome. Uh, but I remember as, as kind of late, even in our late teens thinking, man, wouldn't it be something if we could just have a, you know, a a collaboration of, of young, uh, talented, dedicated young people with high standards get together, you know, make music. Wouldn't it be if we could just like create a a new label that was just, Mm -hmm. you could trust, you could really know this is Christ centered, high quality, uh, you know, and it was a dream, you know, that was, that was... 10, 15 years ago, we're dreaming. Uh, and you, and you Lord, stop dreaming? That, the, that's still going, oh, man. excuse me, excuse me. That is a dream. <laughs> this, is, this is not done. <laughs> but here's my point. The Lord led us in, you know, different ways, and we go to school, and, and yet, here we are, all these years later, still involved. I mean, I'm going home from GYC uh, to just in, a, in the next few days, meet clients at my home studio. Mm-hmm. We're going to be recording for a week. And again, it, this is high-quality, Christ-centered, like, the dream is still alive. That's mm-hmm. my whole yeah. point. And it's developing, and it's actually, we're, we're way further than we thought we'd but ever you be. you got to start with the vision. Yeah. And I think that's what some of these other these other groups and even other denominations figured out. They're like, you know what? Here's a powerful tool. Let's use it. Let's harness it. Let's work mm-hmm. together. Let's collaborate. You, you see them collaborating all the time. We don't collaborate all the time, which is a shame. I'm just going to say it like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could. We couldn't. We should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And more of us should. That's really a great discussion they just brought out here. Um, the idea that we could be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess some of the listeners here will be part of that. Um, but Sean, you do a, something specific for uh, Sabbath school. Yes. Could you talk about that and what maybe some people could be involved in directly? Sure. So I, uh, I work with the General Conference uh, Department of Sabbath School and Personal Ministries. They are currently developing or redeveloping the curriculum for all the children and youth divisions just from the ground up, starting completely over. And part of the vision uh, for the d- departments I'm working with, the sub-departments I'm working with, is to make... Um, scripture more memorable, more effortlessly memorable for, I mean, for, for kids. Classic. You get to Sabbath school each week and you know, what percentage of the kids know their memory verse? Like, you know, maybe two out of 10. Well, so the idea was why don't put it all to music, all of it, all the music, all the, you know, memory verses these kids are expected to learn. Why don't put them all to music? So they have, or they are, or we are. Um, and it's actually super exciting because not only is it a, I mean, not only is it exciting to be to have kind of a, a refreshed, uh, fresh Sabbath school curriculum, but it's an exciting opportunity for artists and for writers and for um, young people, you know, within the Adventist Church that really want to participate, that want to be involved. 
um, to to jump on the website, mybibleguides.me, and there's a there's a form there where you can literally download. These are the the verses we're working on. These are the you know the this is the text we need the songs for. You go home, think something up, record it on your phone or something super simple like that. Submit it, um, and those go all into a they all go into a pool. And at the end of of the production cycle for a quarter, um, they're voted on. And lo and behold. You get to participate. You get to contribute. You get to say, you know what? I want to use my talents, my gift to give the gift of scripture to the next generation. I literally go to work every morning. I sit down, I open my computer, I have my keyboard out there, uh, and I think, is this for real? Like, my Bible is open on my desk and my keyboard and my controller, and this is playtime. And, but it's not, this is work, you know? So I'm just super excited about it. I've been super excited to work with um, quite a number of young people already that have uh, jumped on the website and, and uh, submitted and many more in the future. Mm-hmm. Amen. So for every young person out there that's listening to this, there might not be a ton of opportunities yet, but there's a few and there's a growing movement yeah. of things that are available for songwriters and and composers within the Adventist church. As we close, could each of you just share, uh, I guess, like a a call out or an appeal of some kind to those creatives within the Adventist church, whether it's writing music or, or some other kind of creative pursuit, why should they be doing what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Commit it to the Lord. If you want to write music, create music, perform music for any other reason, except to tell people of Jesus, that's fine. That's your choice, but you will find so much more fulfillment, joy, if you commit that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if you do that now, if you do it before you start down that road, it will be a guiding light along the way. You'll, you will, you will wonder like, what do I do here? What do I do there? And that, that purpose, that direction that you've committed to will answer those questions for you as you think about it, as you study, as you dig deeper in your mission there and you pray about it and the Lord will guide you. Mm-hmm. If, if, you if you're willing to do that, you can't fail. Mm-hmm. I was going to say something very similar and, and that is there is plenty of art, as, uh, to use the metaphor again, splattered all over the walls of the halls of the world. Um, there's plenty of people's self-expression. There's plenty of broken humanity putting itself on display for other broken people to resonate with and just be more broken by. Mm-hmm. There's not enough art. There is not enough music. There is not enough creativity being bent towards the holy. And I think that's actually what's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. It is people in beholding him that they become changed. And if we can paint a picture on the wall in the world, that is him. Like that's how we're going to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, to make an impact. And again, I, I don't think just making an impact is the right reason to, to get into media production unless it's an impact for him. Right. But even if it were to make an impact, you're going to have to be different, not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's something they won't teach you in film school or in you know, any other school. They're going to try to suck you into this. These are the methods that work. And this is the content that's selling. And this is the kind of pathos you're looking for. And basically, oh, you want to write country music? You need a broken heart and a pickup truck and a dog and a girl who dumped you. And you're, you know, you're off to the races. And maybe that's so. Maybe that's the blueprint for, you know, 
but we have a different blueprint. Mm -hmm. Our blueprint is holy. And I think that if we bend our energies towards that, that's how we're actually going to make an impact. That's how we're actually going to change the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with your friends. To learn more, check us out at learnandsharepodcast.com.